Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast being recorded in the beautiful Hilton Garden Inn, Warner Robins, Georgia. Tonight, we're talking about the towns I like, and tonight, that town is Asheville, North Carolina. Thanks for listening. Hello, if you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. Two of the last three episodes have been recorded on the road anyplace else other than the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. Hopefully that is an indicator that we are starting to move back to some sort of a, I hate the term, new normal, but hopefully that's a good indicator. As I typically do when I'm on the road, I try to drink local. Tonight I'm drinking a Hazy Like a Fox IPA from New Realm Brewing Company brewed in Atlanta, just about an hour and a half up the road, as well as Virginia. Like I talked about in my previous podcast, I'm getting to become more and more of a fan of hazy IPAs, and apparently the breweries are listening because they are starting to distribute more hazy IPAs. Before we get to tonight's topic, let's take a quick spin around the interwebs. First story tonight is a bald eagle attacks a state's $950 drone and sends it to the bottom of Lake Michigan. Comes from Escampia, Michigan, and what state officials are describing tongue-in-cheek as a brazen attack. A bald eagle recently snatched a $950 drone belonging to the state of Michigan that was being flown to document shoreline erosion and damage along the upper peninsula of Lake Michigan. After a brief tussle, the Big Bird ripped off one of the propellers from the small spinning aircraft and sent it to the bottom of Lake Michigan. The drone was being operated by a pilot for the Michigan Department of, get this, Environmental Great Lakes and Energy, E-G-L-E, which when you look at it, looks an awful lot like EGLE. The department's acronym, E-G-L-E, was it a coincidence considering the predator being an eagle? The state thinks not. The attack could have been a territorial squabble with the electronic foe, or just basically a hungry eagle, or maybe the eagle did not like seeing its name misspelled, E-G-L-E. This is a follow-up to last week's story about the new work-from-home already assembled offices that can be dropped into your backyard for the small, small price of $33,000. Fox 35 in Orlando brings us this. Central Florida Resort offers a work-from-home hotel option for remote workers. Most people have been working remotely since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. But if you're getting tired of working out of your home office or at the dining room table, one Orlando resort is offering a unique way to switch up your routine. And that resort is the Ritz-Carlton Orlando. Great Lakes is offering a work-from-home hotel package. Trade your home office for a resort office. And I've done numerous events at this property over the years, and it is absolutely top-notch. I'm sure most of us that have been doing remote works at Starbucks would love to switch our Zoom background to a cabana or a pool. This is the stuff that office legends are made of. The Ritz even offers a business butler. Yes, a business butler. This gentleman or late young lady can handle all your scanning and faxing needs. Faxing needs. Here's my go-to fax joke. Could you fax me over a copy? No, I can't fax because of where I live. Well, where do you live? The 21st century. But I'm here to tell you folks that faxing is not dead. 
It just doesn't have all the dial-up crazy noises that it used to have. I spent a bit of time on the uh, Ritz website, could not nail down a price for their work from home package. However, the Ritz is part of the Marriott Bonvoy, so possibly you can cash in some points for this promotion and get a day away from your home office. I've made a few work-related road trips over the past 30 days. Nothing spectacular, but since they involved roughly an hour or more away from home, I fired up Waze. So if you're not familiar with Waze, Waze is an app that runs on your phone. It is nothing more than a GPS, but it does things like tells you where the accidents are, where the backups are, and even where the police are. That was the reason that I fired it up. I'd been off the road for so long, I just kind of couldn't remember where all the police used to hide. I haven't used Waze since March, but I did notice a few upgrades or updates. Waze now integrates with Google. Since I don't have a Google phone or don't use uh, Google Maps much, um, I don't know what the integration looks like, but it does integrate between the two. They have a carpool option. You can select that you want to ride or you want to drive the carpool. This last one I found really interesting is they now have a pop-up that tells you the amount of tolls for your route before you head out. So all good upgrades. That's what happens when you don't use something for several months. On to tonight's topic. It's another one of the towns I like, and this one is Asheville, North Carolina. I'm going to give you my take, and then we'll do an interview with at least one person, possibly two residents of Asheville. So one of the things that you'll hear when it comes to Asheville is the slogan, mountains are the soul's fuel. I have to agree, I am a mountain person much more than a beach person, and unfortunately I have spent... I think I added it up the other day, almost 25, 30 years living in the state of Florida, always within an hour of the beach and have probably made less than, I don't know, two dozen trips to the beach in all of my 55 years. Right off the bat, some Asheville facts. The elevation is about 2,100 feet above sea level. Weather year-round is about 79 degrees. However, it doesn't mean that it doesn't get cold there in the winter, and it doesn't mean that it doesn't get cold there in the evenings. It gets hot during the day, but even during the summer, it does tend to cool down. The 2018 population was right around 92,000 people. Second, how do you get there? If you drive from Central Florida, figure at least eight hours, take I-95 up into South Carolina, merge onto I-26 North, and it'll dump you right into Asheville. If you want to take a bird, Asheville does have an airport, but plan on connections and possibly multiple connections, especially if you're flying out of Orlando. My best bet would be flying to Charlotte, rent a car. You're going to need one because you're going to have to make roughly a two-hour drive west to get into Asheville. Third, where to stay if you are a trust fund baby or if money is no object. You have to stay at the Grove Park Inn. They've been serving guests for over a century the Grove Park welcomes you with a traditional southern hospitality right in the middle of the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. And if you've never seen the mountains, they are absolutely gorgeous. There's about 513 guest rooms and suites, including 28 rooms on the adults-only floor. They have a spa that stretches out about 43,000 feet. they got a 50,000-foot sports complex, complete with weight rooms, fitness classes, indoor-outdoor pools. They have an 18-hole Donald Ross-designed mountain golf course, three indoor and three outdoor tennis courts. Rooms start at about 300 bucks a night, so it is not cheap. However, if you plan your visit right, they do offer packages for the month of February for Valentine's Day. They have fall packages, they have summer packages, they have spring packages. So before you pull the trigger on a $300 a night room, 
do yourself a favor and see what kind of packages you can find. If you are on a budget, there is no shortage of Hilton as well as Marriott properties close by to everything. Most of them in a town like Asheville, they're all up to par. Just like I say, don't stay at a hotel with a number in the name unless it's Seasons 52 or 151 Club. Fourth, what do you do in Asheville? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you are the outdoorsy, adventure type, remember that rental car I suggested or your personal sled, you're going to need it. First stop has to be Sliding Rock in Brevard, North Carolina. Sliding Rock is a 60-foot mountain water limestone slide that ends in an 8-foot deep pool of water. Almost 11,000 gallons of water per minute power this natural wonder. If you've never been to Sliding Rock, here's a few tips. It's $4 per person to enter the recreation area. There are several observation areas to watch sliders. It's a great place to visit even if you don't want to get wet and go down the slide. The pool at the bottom of the falls is 8 feet deep, so you must know how to swim or be at least 9 feet tall. Children under 7 must slide with an adult. Life jackets are the only flotation device allowed, so do not bring your unicorn floaties with you. Water shoes are recommended for sliding on the rock, and rugged shorts or swimsuits are going to get banged up. So think about some old repurposed jeans. You're going to need it. You can always slide down in the seating position, as enticing as it looks to try to surf down this rock. They won't let you do it. Don't expect Wi-Fi or even mobile phone reception, folks. You are in the mountains. And, of course, no alcohol is permitted. Sliding Rock is an absolute blast, especially on those hot uh, mountain summer days. It's been years since I've slid down the rock. I would do it again in a heartbeat. And here's the best part, the water, the eight-foot deep pool of water, is a heart-stopping 50 to 60 degrees. No matter how many times you slide down the water, it never gets any warmer. And actually, Sliding Rock was my daughter, who is now 30, uh, that was her first trip out of the state of Georgia. I'm sure at the age of one or 12 months, I don't think she remembers any of it, but that was her first time we broke her out of Georgia. In the age of COVID, they do have some COVID restrictions. They're open seven days a week, but they have changed the hours up. I think it's 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. They no longer provide life jackets due to the COVID sanitizing procedures, but you can bring your own, and of course, you must follow current CDC guidelines for masks and social distancing. Since we started with water, let's keep with that. And just down the road, and I mean literally just down the road, is Looking Glass Falls. It's one of the most popular and beautiful waterfalls in North Carolina. And North Carolina has a ton of waterfalls. So if you're ever doing some road trips, keep looking over the side of the roads. You'll be amazed at what you see. Looking Glass Falls is perhaps the easiest to view. It's one of the few with an accessible roadside parking area, making it perfect for folks with mobility or walking challenges. The name Looking Glass comes from Looking Glass Rock, where the water freezes on the sides in the winter and then glistens in the sunlight, making kind of a mirror or looking glass. Uh, looking Glass Creek that flows past the rock is also named for, once again, the impressive natural structure. And from there, it's a quick ride down the road, and you can strap on your hiking boots and do the Looking Glass hike. It's a trail that climbs about 1,700 feet in just over three miles. Round trip, it's about six and a half miles, figure four to five hours. The uh, many switchbacks along the way make help for the very long climb. It makes it roughly moderately difficult, so it's not super bad. And if you've never seen a switchback, it's kind of where you go one direction for about 30 or 40 feet 
moving your way up the mountain and then you cut back the other way and go back the other way about 30 or 40 feet. So instead of going straight up the mountain and making your heart explode, this just is a slow and more painful type death. However, the views at the top are well worth the effort. The trail is well blazed and yellow, easy to follow. When you're up in the woods, you'll see different blaze markers on trees. White usually indicates the Appalachian Trail. Blue is usually a side Appalachian Trail. And then the looking glass rock creep is yellow. If you still need to fill your adrenaline tank a little bit more, head out to the Knock, which is the Nantahala Outdoor Center for whitewater rafting. A fully guided eight-mile, three-hour trip is less than 60 bucks. Yes, it's a total beginner's run, but it's vacation. We're not trying to die on vacation. That's absolutely no fun, and they got to try to figure out some way to get your body back. If you need more adventure, though, they do offer one of the best paddling schools in America, as well as a Swift Water Rescue Whitewater Paddlers course. And this is where you learn all kinds of advanced skills in whitewater safety, Swift Water Rescue, including rope skills, extraction, and of course, probably the most important, accident prevention. You know, this is the stuff that really makes you an instant badass at a party. While you're at the knock, you can definitely spend a few minutes hiking on the Appalachian Trail and cross that off your bucket list. If you still need more, you can head over to Chimney Rock Park for some rock climbing put on by the Fox Mountain Guides. They handle it all. Just so show up with some really sticky shoes and nerves of steel. And if you want to climb indoors, there's a Climb Max in downtown Asheville where you can do that rain or shine. And speaking of Asheville, I tend to break Asheville up into two areas. There is the downtown Asheville, and then there is the Biltmore area. Both are worth visiting. Downtown Asheville actually has an urban trail where you can take a self-guided scavenger hunt to learn tidbits about Asheville's fascinating past. With the help of a map, you walk about 1.7 miles across 30 stations. Each station has some kind of a, an art or a piece of art or a bronze plaque that comm commemorates some kind of significant cultural city event. If you need to get your steps in, this is a great way to take up part of your day while you're doing it. I love doing geocaching, you know, which is nothing more than an electronic treasure hunt. This reminds me of it. I love stuff like this. Then on the other side of town is Biltmore Estates, which is worthy of at least one visit in your lifetime. Biltmore is America's largest home coming in at more than 178,000 square feet. So take that, David Siegel, with your tiny 85,000 square foot Versailles McMansion in Windermere, Florida. They got you beat. Biltmore is a French Renaissance castle in the heart of Asheville, in the middle of the Blue Ridge Mountain. The home features, get this, 250 rooms, 35 bedrooms, 43 bathrooms. I can only imagine what entailed with keeping 43 bathrooms stocked with toilet paper. We have two bathrooms at Chateau Relaxo, and it is an endless battle. We also have 65 fireplaces. This place is an architectural masterpiece. It was built in the late 1800s, and some of the technology when it comes to electricity that they had in place at the time, absolutely amazing. The house sits on about an 8,000-acre estate filled with forest, forested trails, beautiful gardens, which includes one of the country's most complete collection of azaleas. If you've never seen the azaleas bloom in spring, it's gorgeous. Think about the Masters Golf Tournament when they televise that. Well, think about those flowers in the middle of a beautiful mountain setting. Biltmore is also where you will find the nation's most visited winery. 
So you can definitely take a wine tour. There's Cedric's Tavern. They brew their own beer there. If you have a chance to visit during the holiday season, the decorations are absolutely amazing. And of course, from Biltmore, you have to head over to the historic Biltmore Village, which is where the workers that built the actual estate built cottages to live in during the construction. And all of those cottages are now converted into stores and and art galleries and things like that. And for years, my mom managed a the Old World Christmas shop that's still there, that's in the village. After she was done with uh, her tour of duty there, she went down to the downtown area to the now defunct T.S. Morrison's. T.S. Morrison's was a tribute to the five and dime stores that I frequented during my youth. The uh, T.S. Morrison's is now closed. It actually came back to life as the Lexington Avenue Brewing or Lab. And unfortunately, that lab or that brewing company closed in about the last 18 months or so. Speaking of beer and beer brewing, Asheville is the Mecca, or at least the East Coast Mecca for beer. And there's just a couple places I'd point out to visit. First one is Wicked Weed, located towards the south end of the village, right off Biltmore Avenue. They offered some bottled high-octane seasonal brews, as well as their Funkatorium selection that rotates in and out on a regular basis. They even offer a reduced gluten ale. It comes in at 7.5 APV. I don't know how they do that with a reduced gluten, but they found out a way to do it. They opened up a production facility probably in the last 24 to 36 months. So if you have room in your luggage, you can bring some home or you can go to local Publix where they sell a few of the Wicked Weed offerings. They do offer brewery tours, but I don't recall seeing any food offerings. Asheville Brewing has been around long before the current craft beer movement. And I don't know if it's a movement anymore. Everybody's kind of into craft beer. And they're just down the street from Wicked Weed. So definitely within walking distance, try their Ninja Porter as well as their Fire Escape. And when you talk about Fire Escape, think jalapeno beer, but actually jalapeno beer done right. They offer a substantial food menu. I suggest going with the pizza. Burial Beer Company is filled with eclectic people as well as eclectic artwork. Uh, Their decor matches their logo. Their logo is, uh, I don't know, I would say Sling Blade meets Pulp Fiction. Bring the kids, bring the dogs, settle in for a tasty afternoon filled with IPAs and lagers. And production brewer New Belgium also has an Asheville location complete with tours. The tap room is filled with most of their current offerings. All that to drink in one place under one roof. New Belgium's Voodoo Ranger series is hard to beat, uh, even from their entry-level Rangers all the way up to their Imperial IPA, which weighs in at 9% APV. I think New Belgium does a pretty good job for a production brewery that still keeps the, uh, the craft beer thought or taste in mind. So if you are going to do beer tours, here's a few tips. Have a designated driver. If you've got a kid that's old enough to drive, time for them to man up and give back to the family. If you don't have any kids handy, consider Uber. Pace yourself. Order a flight of beer instead of individual pints. This is a journey, not a destination, and that way it's easier to kind of hone in on what you like before you really uh, jump in with both feet and order a, uh, a full pint. Stay hydrated. Make sure to take a break. Drink some water, and while you're at it, have some food. Expand your beer palate, and I am not guilty of doing this. Try an IPA, even a double IPA. Try a stout. Try a porter. Do something different. You're not at home glued to the sofa watching football. 
and actually nobody's at their home glued to their sofa watching football. We're not drinking cheap beer. We're not eating nachos. Expand your beer palate just a little bit. If you're looking to brush up on your beer knowledge, spend a few minutes on Beer Advocate, beeradvocate.com. They have everything from beginner level beer information all the way up to brewing your own. So now it's time to kind of kick over to the interview. More than likely, we'll revisit some of the topics I just talked about, but at least you'll get somebody else's viewpoint and somebody that lives there, which is quite different. So thanks for listening and stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back. And now on to the interview that I spoke about earlier. And this is actually with my sister, Laurel. Laurel, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? Doing good. And in honor of you, I am drinking a Creature Comforts automatic for the people from Athens, Georgia. Awesome. Perfect. Throwback to you. So Laurel's on here tonight to give you an insider's look, impression about Asheville. She's lived there two times, I think, and uh, the better part of her life. And everybody always asks how Asheville got into our lives and it was due to what was it the mid 70s or so and my parents sent me to camp up in black mountain and in the 70s adults seemed to do two things play backgammon and tennis so our parents ended up going to a tennis camp while they were while i was at camp and found some property and then what built a house there 20 years 30 years later yeah because they moved they moved in from atlanta in 88 second I left uh, high school and went off college. <laughs> That's right, because I moved to Atlanta in 90, right after they left. <laughs> so, And so they lived They lived up there, and they lived on the side of a mountain, had a beautiful house, beautiful view. So how many times have you lived in Asheville? How long? Give us the, the lowdown. Well, I've lived here twice, uh, but before that, like in college, when I would go and visit our parents, um, I did spend a summer and a winter here, so I did, like, I worked here and lived here basically for a few months but I moved here in um, 2001 for, and lived here for four years I moved from New York so it was a big culture shock <laughs> and, and, you, uh, and you left New York the week before 9-11 two weeks before 9-11 before 9-11 wow pretty amazing yep yeah <laughs> but um I fell in love with Asheville you know it took some time to get used to but I, I refer to it now as my healing home because I just really just learned a lot about energy work and medicine and just a lot of like, this is a vortex. So it's just a really interesting place to be and a lot of different alternative healthcare stuff here. And it it is a very holistic town. It always has been even in the seventies when, when we would go into town. So living there in different periods of your life, have different things appealed to you as you've grown older or over the, the two times that you've lived there? Yeah. I've, um, I lived, I guess it was my 30s when it was 2001, so I did find that there was there was not much of a social life or uh, many career opportunities here, which is why I moved back to Atlanta, but it has changed greatly over the years, and now I moved back five years ago, and there's so much more. There's just so much more um, nightlife, social scenes, restaurants, I mean, it's a whole new place, so it's... It's got a lot of things to offer now. Dating age, yeah, there's more people. It's dating age is it's much better here than it was like 20 years ago. <laughs> a target-rich environment, as they say. And I haven't spent as much time 
there probably in the last 10 years or so, but it was always a very earthy, crunchy granola um, kind of town. It's got kind of two different worlds. It's the music scene, the UNCA is here, so it's a college town. Um, so you have more of the hippie lifestyle, and then there's like the ultra rich <laughs> as well. I mean, there's million dollar homes all over the place. People, you know, come here for their summer homes or just a whole different crowd, you know, so it kind of split between the two. It's fairly diverse for a mountain town, you would say, compared to, I mean, we know Atlanta's diverse. You know, I live in O-Town. That's fairly diverse. Is is Asheville relatively diverse, you think, for the for the population? No, <laughs> it's not. It's... <laughs> um, and I, my partner is Black, so I can say that with, there's not as many, but I will say there's a lot more Black people here than there were years ago. So I... It's changing, you know, it's, people are realizing it's a, you know, a different kind of town to come to, and they just did something um, new with reparations for black people, actually. Asheville's one of the first cities in the country to make notice of that and start making some changes in the black world here, so it's, they're, you know, they're making strides for sure. So that's, people- that's relatively forward-thinking as they say what's odd about it is that they're very accepting with lgbt uh and they always have been yeah Yeah. it's always been basically a lesbian town for sure yeah that was that was that was kind of always (laughs) just clean i'd never forget we were uh whitewater rafting it was the first time and i was probably i don't know 13 at the time first time i ever saw a woman with hair on her legs and we were all freaked out She was probably wearing flannel, so, but, yeah, that is that is odd that it being such an open town in, in that respect, but, um, and so close-minded in other respects to uh, to diversity. I would say it's, but it's it's opening more, and especially, I would say, the fact that they were willing to do reparations just does, like, a lot about them, so I think it probably might attract more people here. So, as I've talked to most everybody about COVID, right, because we've all pretty much been sheltered in place for the last 12 years, it feels like. Yes. Um, so, let's talk typical pre-COVID weekend around town. Yeah. So, what what did that look like? Usually, in the morning, it's something, just something with nature. You know, there's, I mean, of course, tons of hiking, gorgeous mountains here, and waterfalls and so it seems like mostly that mornings early afternoons nature and um afternoons it's say like downtown brunch there's beer crawls they're into baseball really big here that's been a, a big thing um and then at night there's a lot of music venues great new restaurants and you know dessert places so kind of a mix of a little bit of everything but i would say from Nature to eating is kind of the balance here. So, so now, mid-COVID or whatever we're going to call this year, what does Asheville look like? I mean, are restaurants offering uh, limited seating? Is it takeout only? Have you seen places close their doors already? Yeah, most places are do are slowly opening, so they're they're doing um, just pickup and delivery. Almost all restaurants are doing that that are open. There's a few I've seen that are advertising that indoors, but I don't know how well they're doing. Um, a lot of them are offering outdoor seating. Other stores and such are, are slowly opening. So, you know, it's it, we're still under, you know, wear a mask and everything here. So it's 
it's been pretty shut down for a while. There, there's one restaurant that I know of that was really loved that has closed. It's called The Native, and it was in Swananoa, which is just outside of Asheville. And that was just a really loved place that closed its doors for good. It's, it's, it's a shame. And, yeah, and, really good people, too, that own it. You know, we've got, you know, two of the residents at Chateau Relaxo that work at the major theme parks in Orlando. They haven't been to work in I don't know how many months and. I think one of the parks I saw today hit mass capacity. Whatever number that is, I think it's about a third of <laughs> what it normally is. So, um, and, and Jackie and I have been out a couple times. We took a road trip up to Savannah. It was really the first time that we had been into an eating establishment in four or five months. And you know, every other table was roped off. We had to scan the menu. had a QR code on it. And you scanned it with your phone. And that's, how you, that's how you read the menus. You mentioned the music scene. Um, we're both big music people, probably on, on, well, I would say polar opposite ends of the scale at times. What strikes me about Asheville, I think we could probably agree, is they used to have some great acoustic listening rooms. No booze, you know, limited food. People really went there to listen to music. Is that still true? Not that I've ever seen or heard of. Not without the booze or. Okay. There's alcohol offered now. What is the major musical influences there? Um, bluegrass, of course, jam bands, uh, but there's a lot of up and coming a lot electronic music and metal and punk scene too. So there's wow. there's a little bit for everybody, and they bring in big names. There's a big um, venue here called the Orange Peel, and that's where you would see you know pretty much any band. And also the Diane Wortham Center, that's where a lot of big names come to. ISIS is another one, not the <laughs> terrorist, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of all the names for a venue, what do you want to call it? Uh, ISIS? <laughs> we can probably get some swag really cheap. <laughs> you spent your college years in Athens, which is a phenomenal music hub, which was my shout out for the beer to Automatic for the People by... REM, which your significant other actually played on the MTV Music Awards with them. They did a lot of music together too, so he's uh, really getting into the music here. He, you know, he's far from bluegrass, but he's such a you know great musician that he's open to you know just jamming with some people just to to try new things and you know meet different people. But I think he's he's pretty impressed with how the music scene is here compared to, I mean, it was non-existent. Is, would you say it's in mini Athens or would, is it on par with that? I mean, is, you've, you've been gone from Athens for what, 20 years, 30 years? Yeah, 30 years. <laughs> so is it, on, um, is it on par? Is it mini Athens or? It's not mini, it doesn't come close to Athens, I would say, just because it's that's just so iconic. There are more. There are more and more places opening up, and you know, like I said, it's a college town, so that, of course, brings in that aspect. So there's always, there's always music going on downtown. There's a lot of buskers. They got into really big busking laws years ago because there were so many people trying to busk. <laughs> so they have to be a certain amount of feet apart and a certain amount of oh, time. Okay, and yeah, they keep it. Because there used to be, well, there's a lady, a spoon lady, Abby the Spoon Lady, I think was her name. Still here, like when I moved back five years ago, and I think she, I think she kind of retired. Have you ever been to Shindig on the Green or no? I haven't. They still have, they have that in the summer. 
at, at camp, that was the big trip into town. You know, Blue yeah. Camp was in Black Mountain, and we'd come in. But there's a great drum circle they've had forever. I mean, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I remember somebody telling me about that. Um, yeah, every Friday night at 6, Pritchard Park, from like April to October, you can just come bring whatever you want and jam with everybody, and you know, everybody's dancing, and it's become a lot more family time too, so any age can come. But that's a lot of fun. And I heard that they're doing it now, even with COVID. So I don't know how that's working. Wow. Well, they just started trying that. It's, it's not like, well, after after this Labor Day weekend, we'll see what happens because there could be a huge spike. And uh, yeah. in, my, or in, our, in our father's opinion, he's pretty much convinced that that'll be the death of us all. Well, <laughs> could be. <laughs> I, I talked a little bit about about Asheville beer. I mean, it's a great beer hub. New Belgium's there, even though they are a, I would not call them a craft brewery, but they do a good job. But Wicked Weed, Asheville Brewing, um, yeah. Burial. I mean, there is, and, and Wicked Weed, we actually get down by us, so they do some distribution. Any other cool beer venues that you can think of? The one thing that comes to mind is they've got a trolley that they ride around town. Everybody pedals. They have like a bar stool. They're sitting on it on each side, and they oh, that's, drink. <laughs> yeah, usually that's it. We, when we were in Nashville. It was fueled by bachelorette's parties singing Journeys Don't Stop Believing at the top yeah. of their lungs. So <laughs> I think it was called Pedal and Pint or something like that. So. I haven't seen it recently, but yeah, it's always around. So that's I think people love you know coming here for something new to do. Asheville food. I claimed. I heard it today. I, I don't claim to be a foodie. I claim to be a eaty because I like to eat. I don't care about the food. Um, what is the Asheville food scene like? It's real. It's delicious. It's you know they're really known for farm to table, really fresh food, really great care with vegetables and fruits and just everything organic here. But also, I mean they have. I can't tell you how many restaurants. There's so many restaurants popping up all the time. But there's one of my favorite places is called Dobra Tea House. And it's obviously got all the different types of teas from like all over the world. But also a lot of more vegetarian food and fare, but really a cool place to go and hang out. Um, there's great sushi, amazing bakeries, there's incredible pizza. I mean, they have a bit, you know, a bit of everything. Barbecue, of course, is the big right. thing here too. Twelve Bones is is really well known. That's where Obama went when he came here. Huh? That was his place. Um, but Moe's is another one that's really good barbecue too. So they they've got, you know, you don't want for anything. There's everything here. It's a real. It is a real foodie, eaty town. Edie, sure. yeah, Edie, that's the new word. So we're gonna. <laughs> uh, my favorite is the white duck taco. It, it, two re one, the, the one that we go to or have been to. It's like uh, I don't live there, but um, it's in the River District. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I, th I think they've expanded. I think they have. They've got several locations now, and I think there's even one down in Greenville, South Carolina, for some reason. Oh, really? Yeah. I that. Yeah. Oh, that's that's my favorite. And what was? Do you remember the name? There was a place that mom and dad hated. There was some place that they just went one time, and I mean, we heard about it every time we got together. It's probably so, not around anymore. It probably is. One place that they really love that's still around, it, which is so good, and great cheap food, just is a Apollo Flame. Okay, I think one? I've been there. I think, I, I think I've been there with them. It's like pizza, but it's, you know, Mediterranean, and, you know, the salads are just 
ridiculously huge and just really a good price. They've been there forever. Like the big salad on Seinfeld? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is bigger than that. So what is the, the weather there? It gets cold. What is your favorite season and why? My favorite season is fall everywhere. But here, it's just, I mean, with the change of colors, it's its just gorgeous. I mean, people come here specifically for that, to drive through the Blue Ridge and look at all the, the trees. And, you know, you see deer. Sometimes we'll have bears outside of our house and we're in... Stop! Stop in and get your pumpkin spice latte. And actually, fall is my favorite my favorite season as well. And yeah, the leaves. I was talking about it earlier. Uh, being in the Blue Ridge Mountains, the leaves in the fall is just absolutely spectacular. October is the best year to best year best month to catch it. Yep. And then the inevitable so, snow sets in. So are the winters rough? Or are they manageable? They're really not. I mean, we may get one or two, you know, snowstorms where there's. Maybe things are shut down for a couple of days, but nothing. It's nothing bad. Not that bad. Favorite Asheville thing to do? Hmm. I would say, I'm trying to think, because there's, there's several things, but anything in nature. I mean, it's just, it, it really is. That's like one of the biggest reasons to come here is the mountains, waterfalls, beautiful trees, just being out in nature. It's just a very healing place so it just feels feels good looks good you know it's just real uplifting it is i mean i talked about it earlier the 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 amount of waterfalls in western north carolina is out of control there's sliding rock there's nanahala um you know i think you you and dad went whitewater rafting there and it's just yeah yeah, before is that you know it's just gorgeous that we feel lucky like every sunset we watch (laughs) you know it's sunrise to me, what's so unique is during the day, it can be hot as hell. And, yeah. and I went to camp, and but I'll tell you what, at night, you know, we had no air conditioning. We were out on the trails hiking or even in, at the cabin in camp. And it gets chilly in the middle of summer um, at night. It's, it's yeah. surprising, the temperature. For sure. Yep. Uh, favorite Asheville store? You know, I'm going with an oldie, but a goodie. New Morning Gallery, which has been around since we were coming here, but it's still, you know, it's just a, such a great store. It's a lot of local and not local artists, but um, you know, a lot of jewelry, a lot of pottery, a lot of home stuff, just very artistic. So I would say that's my favorite store still to go to. They've, I, they've been there since since my, I was coming up in the 90s. I know they were there. They used to sponsor the big, was it Bell Share? It's the big art festival. The guy who owns New Morning Gallery runs that. So okay. that, and that's bigger and bigger each year. So it's huge now. It's a great, great festival. That store gave me the inspiration for my beer cap mirror because I walked in there and they had a basically a mirror frame with, I don't know, 50 or 60 beer caps nailed to it with some splattered paint. And they wanted like 400 bucks. Yep. <laughs> So uh, I, th- I bought a $5 mirror at Walmart, got a can of black spray paint and some nails. So, uh, you know, but yeah, it's, the village is cool. My, you know, mom worked at that Christmas shop, which is, which is still there. Um, and there was, you know, there's just all kinds of eclectic businesses. Yeah. From wood carvers to soap makers, a little bit of, little bit of everything. Uh, any unique Asheville facts? You know, I asked 
around to see if anybody knew any. Well, Obama, Obama ate there. That's, you know. <laughs> there, I already told you. Yes, he ate at Yeah, but... there you go. <laughs> so if if somebody, this, the, you know, this this series is the towns I like. So if somebody's coming to Asheville, what is the one place they have to see and why? Another oldie in but a goodie is Grove Park Inn because it's still just as gorgeous. You know, you can't you can't get better than that. However high, so many stories fireplace. I guess it's probably two stories, but um, just the in the view. You know, it's just it's a beautiful hotel. I mean, it's a spa too, so it has a little bit of everything for everybody. I talked about that earlier um, and, and before we got on that that is if, if money's no object that's the place to stay yeah. uh, rooms are not local cheap local and, and you know sit on the veranda and look you know watch the sunset and and that of course you can probably have to buy a cookie or a tea <laughs> or something or beer a cookie and a pumpkin spice latte dollars or something probably <laughs> but it's worth it to, to just be there it's really gorgeous well, that pretty much wraps up why I like Asheville. Sounds you like you like it probably as much as I do, if not better. Dude, we're staying. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, I keep trying to get up there. I thought I was going to be up there before all the COVID stuff and it had planned a trip and things kind of got yeah. got sideways. But it's not an easy town to get to from Florida. You can drive, and that's probably the best, or you can fly to Charlotte, but there's just no direct flights into Asheville. Getting better about that, but... Well, from it, it, Atlanta, there is. I mean, Delta flies indirect, but just from Orlando, if you fly Delta out of Orlando, you're stopping in Atlanta no matter what. Yeah, true. So, well, I appreciate your time. And as I keep hoping to say to everybody, travel safe. But uh, since nobody's traveling, we're going to stick with stay safe. And wear a mask. <laughs> and wear a mask. And uh, thanks for listening.